Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Chapel Hill. Good to see you. If you do not have a Bible or if you want a Bible, raise your hand. One of our lovely ushers will bring you a Bible. Any takers for a Bible? No takers? No takers? It means everybody's got one? All right, good. If you don't have one and you're at the end, you're like, you know what? I want a Bible. You can get one. Some people are holding up their Bibles. Good. Okay. Are you giving away that Bible? Is that what that means? No. Um, And uh, I just have to do this because it's going to hopefully, you know, be tradition. But again, next Saturday, we have the Band of Brothers. There we go. Good. Band of Brothers breakfast. Okay, good. You you already heard about it, but well done. It's just making sure we keep that going. Um, So excited for that time together. And uh, men, Tuesday night, uh, come on out. We are starting a study on lessons Friday group, we got to finish Jude, but the other group, we're starting a study on lessons towards biblical masculinity and manhood, and we're going to be going through a series of different books and things, so excited about that. Uh, and I encourage us and remind us whenever we gather, brothers and sisters, please continue to pray for Israel, continue to pray for the people there, and continue to pray for salvation. We need to pray for salvation on both sides of this. We who have the whole word of God know how this is all going to play out, so we need to be in prayer for salvation. And I also just encourage us as a church to be in prayer for who the Lord needs you to share who he is with. We can't keep just keeping it a secret. We need to be about the business of sharing who he is, praying for salvation for lost souls, praying for people to come to know him. Um, And reminder, again, February 7th, Pastor David, Dan, and Ava are going to be headed to Tunisia. We'll be praying for them later on this morning. But I encourage you, lock that into prayer. Now be praying. While they're there, be praying every single day. And when they get back, continue to pray for the seeds that were planted, that they would bear the fruit that the Lord needs them to do. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for this morning. Thank you for this time, Lord, where we get to now Go into your word, Heavenly Father, and glean what you would have for us as we continue onward in the book of John, Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for how you so beautifully knit together, weave your word, and have preserved it for us, Lord God. Father, cast aside distractions and help us now to just be focused on what you would have for us, Lord. Help us to put aside preconceived notions or expectations, Lord, and just be open to what you, the Holy One, Holy God, Holy Father, would have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we had uh, PSS visiting with us, and I remind and encourage you to continue to pray for life. Continue to pray for life. Keep that going. Uh, We had been in prayer for a sweet girl, Jocelyn, that Barbara and Eileen were ministering to. The baby was born, and I will say, praise the Lord for that, and also praise the Lord, because I think we've got two emerging birth workers or doulas in Barbara and Eileen, because they were at the hospital. They were there. They were pouring and loving in on her, and it was just truly um, a blessing to be getting what was going on via texts um, and how it was going. So praise the Lord for their obedience and service there and just for that, that life. But continue to be in prayer for life and pray about if there's ways that you may join in or support pregnancy support services as you move on in your own journey. And again, also with that, pray for the families of this church. Pray for the youth of this church. There's many things under that umbrella that we covered with life that we need to keep in prayer. But two weeks ago, we were in John chapter 6, and we were looking at verses 41 to 59. And in that account, we were continuing on with their 
reactions to everything that Jesus has done and said. And we saw their murmuring about him despite the miracles that we saw. In the midst of that, we saw Jesus' steadfast truth that he keeps going on. Even though there's frustration within the crowds, he stays true to the word and what he has to deliver. We saw a spiritual truth given by Jesus and once again taken only on the physical level, taken only on the surface level, which brought us to examine religion versus relationship. And in that, there was a call and reminder to us, dig deeper. And we're going to see that today. When Jesus gives these spiritual truths, there's a call, dig deeper. Now, last week I made a joke. You had two weeks to check in on this charge. So let's see how you did. Hold up your homework now. But one, (laughs) Prayerfully ponder, God veiled in the flesh, giving life, his blood shed for you, sins past, present, and future on the cross. Did you take the time to ponder that and go back to the heart of your salvation? And did you bring yourself back to that time and time again? That it's not just something we remember, yeah, I got saved in that year. No, go back to the heart of salvation. Go back to that moment when you knew who he was and totally surrendered. Two, is your inner man or woman being fed? And with what? His word, his spirit, his way. In that, we talked about, are you feeding yourself with systems or his sovereignty? Are you feeding yourself with rules or relationship with him? Is it about the intellectual pursuit of God? Or is it about communion with the intercessor and only mediator? Is it about you or is it about him? And the last part of our charge was who in your life needs the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ? And are you sharing that with them that they would come to know? It's a call to share. There's an urgency in my heart for us to make sure we're sharing the word of God. In that, be in prayer for the choir concert, Good Friday. It's going to be an opportunity for evangelistic outreach. And my hope and prayer is we can do a few outreaches in Chapel Hill just to ask people, how can I pray for you? And just offer prayer. Yeah, we're going and offer prayer, and then invite them to the concert and see what the Lord would have done because we need to be standing for truth in these times. Now, today we're going on in John 6. We're not going to quite finish it, so ignore the 7-9 that's up there on the slide. Um, But the title of today's message is Our Time, His Time. And when we think about surrendering our time, it means that we've surrendered our control. And this portion that we're going to look at is more reactions to Jesus' words. There's reactions now at the end of a series of events that have taken place. Think of everything that we've seen in this chapter, 71 verses, as we mentioned, one of the longest verses, uh, chapters in the New Testament. Jesus feeds the multitude. And we're talking probably about 20,000 people being fed from little. He walks on the sea in the storm to his disciples He explains that he is the bread that's come down from heaven. He's declared that he is the bread of life who gives eternal life. He reveals the sweet mystery of salvation, of God drawing in and man's responsibility to accept. The leaders reject it. The crowd rejects it. He says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. They go, what? What are you saying? And they're limiting themselves by the physical. Because they can't see the spiritual. And in that encounter, I remind us again, where are you limiting God? Where are you placing limits on the Lord? 
Now today we're going to be in verses 60 to 71, and we're going to close this chapter. And as we do this, we're going to see a glimpse of some understanding about their rejection, which is an inability to accept. They're misinterpreting Jesus's words. And it's a timeless truth why we have to be on alert, on alert because the word of God is often misunderstood, misinterpreted. We're going to see Jesus come face to face with offending people. And we're going to get a useful lesson in how to face when someone's offended. Persist with the truth. Jesus is going to explain the spiritual truth to them. Jesus is going to reveal to them that they are stuck on the material. They're stuck on the earthly. And they can't receive his drawing in. And the reality as we look at all of this is he's emphasizing that the motive of why we follow him matters. Because if the motive of following him isn't what it is needed to be fully and pure, it does this. Because we can learn and know a lot. But just because you know a lot about the Bible and because you can cite a lot of verses and know a lot of facts doesn't mean your heart believes it. And it's an important thing that has to be looked at and, and, and interrogated. If we turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, I just want to look at two portions to lay a foundation for where we're going this morning. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 7 and we're going to first look at verses 24 to 29. Therefore... Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. This is a passage that we look at often or we mention often about building your life on the rock of salvation. And if we think about that idea of belief, of knowing different things, when we're doing it, that's the fruit of our faith and belief. We embed it, we have the word of God, we partake of his goodness, we realize who he is, and we do the word of God. We live it. Because we're also told a few verses earlier, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The heart of belief matters. Because it can't just be doing the gestures, doing the motions. It can't just be being with the group who does it, but in, inside and within, the heart doesn't truly believe. Jesus asks an important question in this passage that we're going to look at today. Do you also want to go away? Knowledge, intellect, facts, emotion, will. If that's what's guiding following Jesus, you're always going to have a plan B or back door ready to go. Because Jesus isn't the center. Jesus isn't enough. True belief in Jesus, we'll see today, has no plan B. Because it's Jesus alone. 
And it's interesting to see the fact that in the portion where we're looking at all this, we get mention of Judas at the end, which is going to give us that reminder, outward appearance of doing everything right doesn't mean the heart is right. So let's stand and read John chapter 6, verses 60 to 71. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words, Lord. Thank you for reminders to interrogate and let you examine our hearts, Heavenly Father. Lord, I just pray right now that you would allow each and every single one of us to humble ourselves, to cast aside any pride, self-righteousness, I know best, and put it on the shelf, Lord, to say, Abba, Father, teach me. Father, give me understanding. Father, what would you have me do with these words? Father, how would I live these to be a doer for your glory? Holy Spirit, fill me. Father God, allow the words that come out to be exactly what are needed for your people this day. That each and every single one of us, Lord, would bear fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. So we start with verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this said, said, when they heard this said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Therefore, we know whenever we see a therefore in the Bible, look at everything that comes before it. So let's read all of John chapter 6. No, I'm kidding. But therefore, because I have said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, because I'm standing my ground on this, many, and remember we're talking about the multitude, a multitude present, many of his disciples, when they heard this, Now, the disciples, when we're talking there, there's many different ways when that word disciples comes up that we can think about that. Learner is what we can see. So there's some that are following along. They're learning. They're following. But the heart's not fully surrendered or there yet. There's some who the heart's surrendered, and they're learning, and they're following. There's the 12 that we know who are deeply. They're growing. They're learning. They're following. The context helps us understand what is meant and who he's talking to when he says disciples. And disciples here, he's talking about Of the crowd that's there, many of them are going to go. We're not talking about just the 12. When they heard this said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? 
And this is that flesh and blood because they're like, we know the laws. We know the Levitical laws. The cannibalism, that's no go. This, we, I'm not driving with this, Jesus. It doesn't make sense. They heard it, but they could not accept it. That's what the hard saying is. It's hard because they can't accept it because they're offended at such a notion. They understood it, but it couldn't be accepted. There'd be disturbance for some of them. That's just weird because they're at the surface level. Their motive for following wasn't truly ever about deep relationship. They were stuck on the physical. They were stuck on the earthly. They heard but could not accept. Again, you can learn a lot about Jesus Christ. But do you accept it all as fact? His word, his spirit, his way. True belief in Jesus is lived out. True belief in Jesus has hurts healed. True belief in Jesus doesn't walk around bitter about everyone. True belief accepts that the Holy Spirit dwells within you. True belief abides and walks in the Spirit. True belief bears the fruit of the Spirit. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Paul gives us a beautiful reminder of what this all looks like. Galatians 5. Verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, if we see that right away, walk in the Spirit, that's reminding us the Holy Spirit lives in you. The born-again believer, when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, come to that place of surrender, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Be sensitive and be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. Live your life seeking to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in obedience and submission to our King. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. And this is the battle we'll see as we go on in this passage. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then we see and we're reminded, what does the flesh do? Now, the works of the flesh are evident. We're going to hit sexual sin first, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Then we hit religious sins, idolatry, sorcery. Then we hit people sins, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I don't want to be clear. This isn't a moment that we're like, oh, well, I'm, I, I did this thing. I'm, I'm not inheriting. No, no, no. We're forgiven, and there is forgiveness to be had. But if you've rejected, if you can't accept Jesus as fact, the word of God as fact, we stay in these things of the flesh. But then we go on to the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Look at these words that he gives, and it's a check for us. As we open and go into the passage of today, it's that reminder and check because it's a hard saying because they can't accept it. It's a hard saying because they have no communion with the Spirit. 
They have what they want, and that's driven from the flesh, not surrendered to the fruit of the Spirit. They wanted a political king. That's what they wanted. They want their physical needs met. They want their earthly needs met. Their timing for it, now. Their way, the way we see it. Give us all our physical things. Give us what we want and what we need. Make us be free from the Romans. And Jesus says his timing is eternal. His way is spiritual. But they're stuck on the physical. They can't accept the spiritual because all they see is the physical. And that's something we have to think about. Where are you yourself stuck in accepting a truth from the word of God? Where are you stuck with that? Where are you in a place where the word of God is so clear on something, but you're just, you can't accept it? I think one area where the church does that today is the Holy Spirit. I think we've, Holy Spirit's become a little bit of a mess. Because if you bring it up, it's like, whoa, are we going to run around the room? Don't go there. But we're not willing to realize the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We have to commune with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through the word of God. We've got to commune with the Holy Spirit. We can't just put him on the shelf. And you can find many things that make you say what you want to say about it. But I'm just going to say go to the word of God. And can you accept what the word says or not? Our culture is big on planning. I got to have this set. I got to have that set. I got to have this set. I got to have that set. I know what I'm doing in February, March, April, May, June, July, August. It's all set. We can talk about September. Hold the phone. Are you leaving room for God to lead? Are you leading room for the Holy Spirit to lead? An inability to accept in this case for them has them misunderstand and reject. Because again, they're stuck. It's got to be this way. They know that they're right. It's got to be what they say. And we see here, not just a few move on, but many. And it reminds us also crowd mentality, social media. You can find a crowd of people that will give you whatever you can accept in the word of God and you can run with it. I've prayed about this. I have a peace. It doesn't go with what the word of God says, but I have a peace. But it's against the word of God and I'm going to run forward with it. We have to slow down and truly say, can I just accept what your word says, Lord? Why? Because the spiritual focus for these, when they can't accept it, again, is a heart stuck on physical material. And when we get stuck on physical and material, when it's not going on our timing or our way, we then lean in to offense. Verse 61 When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? They are personally offended at this point. Their complaints, as we see often, complaining leads to offense. Complaining leads to hurt. Raise your hand if you've ever complained. (laughs) We're all guilty. If you haven't raised your hand, you're lying. And in church, shame. We are all guilty of that, of complaining. It feels good. And we often complain from a self-righteous point because we know so much and we're so smart and nobody's as smart as me and nobody, nobody is on my level or knows me. I am the smartest in the world. I know everything. And then I'm going to complain about everything else. And he says to them, does this offend you? Complaints come from a heart in that moment that's not yielded and surrendered to Christ in that moment. Jesus says, are you offended by this? The word offend there in the Greek is stumbled. Is this tripping you up? Is this a challenge for you 
to see. And then he goes further. Well, if this is causing that, what about when I resurrect and ascend? Is that going to offend you? And in light of this offense, we see something important. Jesus doesn't alter or change the truth. He presses onward and he challenges them more. And that's a lesson for us. How should the church, how should we as believers handle when the truth, the word of God, you're sharing with a family member, I'm offended. How do we handle that? And I'm not saying, to be clear, it's not that you then bully. You can't be offended. Let me tell you about God. No, that's not the right way to go about that. But you don't alter or change the truth. Jesus here doesn't say, does this offend you? I'm so sorry. Let me create a safe space for you where you can acknowledge your feelings. No. Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? He presses on with truth. He presses on with the mission that he's been given by his Father. He presses onward. And in his pressing onward, he wants them to dig deeper. When we see something in the word of God that trips us up, that you might read and say, ah, stop and say, Holy Spirit, give me understanding. Help me understand what this says. Break my heart, refine me, do what you need to so I can grasp this, so I can accept everything that the word of God has. And Jesus is faithful. He doesn't just press on with the truth callously. He gives them more insight. Look at verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. He makes it clear. He's like, guys, this is a spiritual thing I'm giving you. What you're talking about, the physical, the flesh, that doesn't do anything. It's not going to profit anything. There's no gain that's going to come from it. It's not good. But the words that I give you, the word of God gives life, has the spirit embedded within it. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. As we think about that battle of flesh and spirit, we're reminded by Paul in Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do I do not do, but the evil I will not to do that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Spiritual law can't help the carnal man. And he goes through here giving the character of the flesh. And Paul's aware of carnality through Christ's work in him. We're aware of our sin, of our fleshly self, 
the more that we learn and know about Christ. And it's a struggle to obey in our own strength because sin acts against the nature of the new man that's in us at salvation. We're a new creation, but the sin temptations act against that. And there's only one that gives victory, Jesus. And when we think of the spirit and flesh, we're reminded in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Faith in the Son of God. That's where that goes. That's where one is able to go on. So he gives them this whole hint that points to what we know we receive as believers, right? The verses we looked at, that's the fruit of accepting everything that Jesus says. And then he goes on to verse 64. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. So again, he tries in his words, and in the verse before that, he's trying to get the crowd to go beyond the physical. He's trying to get them to see the spiritual. He, he starts, as we saw in verse 63, it is the spirit who gives life. Can't make it any more clear. The flesh, it doesn't do anything. But they're not willing to go there. He continues to try, but they're not willing to. And as he goes on in verses 64 and 65, he's reminding again who he is because Jesus knew from the beginning in his heart. We see that reminder for us as we read this. He knew because he is God. He is sovereign. He's in control. And he's trying to point them to salvation. He's trying to point them to say, hey, take the words that I'm giving you and have new life. Accept it. And they're not willing. I wonder what would have happened if he had cited to them and reminded them of Jeremiah chapter 31. Verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The new covenant is about an inner transformation from the word of God. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will remember their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. I do wonder if maybe he had gone there. Perhaps, maybe a few. <laughs> Light bulb click. Their focus, though, remained, as we saw, the material, the earthly. Because the Messiah has been revealed, but it's not as they expected. They're not, it's not the way that they wanted it or think it should be. So they're choosing to not partake. Do you digest all of his word? That's a question only you know. Do you take all of it and accept every piece of it? What's your communion like with the Holy Spirit? And I bring that up because as we go on in the Gospel of John, we're going to have a lot to hear and learn about the Holy Spirit. 
And as we go through that, will you accept it or will you try to put legalistic rules around it so you don't have to ever be uncomfortable? Because God wants everything in life to be picture perfect, easy, and comfortable, right? No discomfort. How are you doing with that? Verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? So we see before this, and even at the end of that, when he reminds him of the Father coming, he gives again that portrait of salvation he's going to draw. You have your responsibility. And now he goes on. Many of them have turned away, and they've gone back to their old life. They've gone back to their old religion. They've gone back to their old hopeless journey because they couldn't accept the way, the truth, and the life. They couldn't accept Yahweh. The initial faith that they had Because we have to realize, okay, I get that, but they were following him. Didn't they believe at one point? They had an initial faith, but it was on works. It was on experience. It was on the immediate versus the everlasting and the eternal. They walk with him no more because the walk when they started was all about them. And now they're realizing this is actually all about you. You're not going to, you're not the political, you're not doing what we said. Just make more manna, make more bread, make more power. The professing believer who exalts himself above all else must examine the heart of their profession. Was it an act or was it true surrender? That's a truth that I truly believe. The professing believer who exalts themselves above all else must truly examine their heart. Was that profession an act or true surrender? Saints, why do you follow Jesus? How do you handle when you get disappointment? How do you handle when Jesus' timing and way doesn't work out exactly how you think or feel that it needs to work out? There's a deep application as we look at this because he turns to the 12. Then Jesus said to the 12, verse 67, and it's the first time in the gospel that we see the reference to the 12. Do you also want to go Away. Now, the Greek phrasing here, the way that it's done, this isn't him asking out of despair. This is him asking already knowing the answer is going to be an implied no. But he's asking this question to them. Are you going to? Are you going to your plan B? Are you going to whatever else is there? Because if you're following Jesus truly from a heart that's fully surrendered in belief, guess what? There's no plan B. It's just Jesus. You stay with him, you walk with him, you follow. But in this, he's saying, do you also want to go away? If Jesus came to you today, how do you answer that question? Culture of 2024, if persecution gets so amped up on the church and you see people that you know that you're like, oh my goodness, I know this person, they're so believing, they're like, yeah, I'm not not taking the risk of getting in the car and going to church. I don't want to deal with the authorities. I'm not doing this. And more and more, it's just, nope, not doing that, not doing this. I'm disappointed, and they go on to plan B. Where would you land? Do you also want to go away? When it doesn't look the way you want it to look, do you also want to go away? And that's a challenge, because guess what? In our culture, you can find whatever you want. 
You can literally find whatever you want. You don't have to let the Lord refine your character. You don't have to let the Lord work in you. You can be self-righteous and get whatever you want. You'll be accountable eternally. But culture will say, yeah, you do you. You deserve that. You're right. Do you also want to go away? Then verse 68, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. When we look at Peter's answer, I'm reminding us of the whole purpose of the gospel of John. Chapter 20, verse 30. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Because believing is an action of accepting. And he says here, Simon Peter, in youth, you remember when we looked at Simon, we looked at Peter, he's always the one yakking right away. He's, 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 I'm here, Lord, I got this, I got this. This is one of those moments where you would say, you get the gold star. Good job, Peter. He says to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go, Jesus? There is no plan B. There's no plan B for a heart that's truly Jesus's. Jesus, you have eternal life. Even in the midst of storms, nothing is better than Jesus. You are the Messiah. You are also God, son of the living God. He would remember the Old Testament's accounts of God being called the Holy God of Israel and seeing now this is the Holy One of God. You are the Holy One of God. And Jesus says, you're going to leave too? And a question I have for you, brothers and sisters, this morning, what plan B are you holding on to? And are you willing to surrender your plan B and just move forward with Jesus? What plan B are you holding on to? Do not be afraid, only believe. Mark 5, 36. It's in the context where they're saying, your son's dead, your daughter's dead, there's no point, don't bother and Jesus looks at him, do not be afraid, only believe. Believe is an action, believe is a choice. The Bible's very clear. Persecution and trials will come. Same Peter. The devil, roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. They're going to hate you, they hated me, says our Savior. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be challenges. Men, we've worked through Jude. We know there's going to be false teachers. We know there's going to be false doctrine. And from it all, we know we need to be anchored in the word. We need to be on guard and we need to cling to Jesus. And we can't have a plan B. Our response is Jesus. We go to him in prayer. We go to him in surrender. Jesus. Because may we realize, Lord, where else can I go? I'm not going to go on Instagram. I'm not going to go to TikTok and find a TikTok challenge. I'm going to go to you. I'm going to go to Jesus. Because there's no other source to go to. Then we see in verse 70. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? The Greek there, slanderer, adversary. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Iscariot meaning man of Kerioth. 
And that appears, it's in southern Judah, and he's appearing by that to be the only non-Galilean disciple. Peter, in his words, assumes they're all believers, but Jesus knows the heart. He presumes, again, we're all going to do this, Peter, in that moment. But Jesus knows the heart, and he lays it out there. There's a simple spiritual devotion laid out by Peter, and Jesus brings to light the betrayal that will come. American theologian James uh, Montgomery Boyce has a quote on this that I like. There are Judases among the apparent followers of the Lord in our day. They are in our pews, even in our pulpits, and they are sometimes undetected. They betray the Lord and the gospel by both their words and their actions. If you want to do a little insight in that, talk to some of the guys who've been at the Jude study. There's some good stuff there. And a reflection on this towards application. Because think of this. At the end of this whole chapter of all these great things that he's done. And he's laid the truth on the bread of life, eternal life. We put the chapter in verses we know. But this encounter ends with citing the one who's going to betray. And that gives us many reminders. Because we've talked a lot through this chapter about the motive of following Jesus. They're fed. It's a miracle. Then they want that physical hunger to be fed again because they're focused on the temporal, not the eternal. In the storm, even the 12 that he has, and he has them in training, and they've gone through another storm, we saw, but they're still straining because they're focused on the immediate, not the eternal. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, but they can't accept it because they're focused on the immediate, and they're focused on the familiarity. He's the son of Joseph and Mary. We know them. We saw them. We know them. He's not anything special. Not focusing on the eternal. The parallels with Moses in the wilderness, with the manna, everything that we looked off, and he tells them, they died with that bread. I'm giving you a bread that will live forever. They're not going to accept it because they're focusing on the immediate. Flesh and blood, eat it, drink it. They're not going to accept it. Some will later on accept it. That's where we get the Catholic transubstantiation, which we talked about, which is not a real thing. But again, missing the eternal. In each of these, it's the motives. Because there's the focus on the temporal, the immediate, the physical, my time, my way, my logic, my thoughts. Because there's a lack of genuine belief. And I know this body of believers, but we all have those moments where rather than doubt, we need to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. As the Father did in Mark 9. And we need to be honest enough to do that. Because rather than say that, we go down rabbit holes and you'll find somebody who will justify whatever you want. I'm telling you, Google's amazing. You can get anything you want. You can say, I believe this, and you'll find a hundred people that believe you, and then thousands and more and more. But we have to get to the place where we just say, Lord, I accept you. I accept your word. I trust that, and I'm sticking with that, and that's all that I need. I need nothing else. I need no one else. I just want Jesus. And I take what you say, and Lord, in that struggle where that doubt creeps in, in that struggle where the heart's struggling, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Take it to him. Don't go to plan B. Take it to him. Spurgeon on the idea of faith and belief and that help my unbelief. While men have no faith, they are unconscious of their unbelief. But as soon as they get a little faith... Then they begin to be conscious of the greatness of their unbelief. And we have to be willing to have that search done. Do you also want 
to go away. The multitude go away because they can't accept the word of Jesus. They can't accept the word of God. They're stuck on the physical material. They can't see the spiritual. They have no eternal perspective. That might be you today. You're here. You're listening to all this. And you're like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. But not my cup of tea. You're stuck. Are you willing to surrender that stuckness to come to the place of salvation? Or to the believer here, you might have fallen in a sin. You may have done this thing. Oh my God, am I really a believer? I can't believe I just did that. Go to him. Go to what his word says about repentance and go there. Or you might be sitting here and when I say, do you really accept all of his word? Do you really? In our culture today, can you accept what the word of God says about gender, male and female? Can you accept that? It's a simple, low stakes one. Can you accept what the word of God says about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit? Can you accept male leadership? Yeah, sure I can. Do you really have your husband leading? It's just a question. And not in a way of, oh, lead, lead, lead. But are you giving the chance for him to say, hey, can I pray for you? Can I do this? Can I do that? Love your bride as Christ loved the church. There's a hefty call there. Are you okay with it? Are you accepting it? Or are you taking the reins and masking that he's doing it? These are things that we have to look at, that we have to examine, and we have to remember God refines our faith. So that unbelief, it could be him chastening. It could be him allowing to refine you. There will be trials. There will be suffering. There will be agony. There will be pain. This is a real pick-me-up. But it's the truth because it refines our character, saints. It refines our character. The journey of sanctification is for our eternal purpose. Because we're with him forever and ever and ever. So whatever is annoying you here that you want to go complain about, knock it off, get over it, get on your knees, repent to Jesus, and keep moving forward with him. Because he's the Savior and the King. Get over yourself. And I say that with love. Guilty as charged. I have to do it. We make it too much about what we want, what we feel, what we think. And all the while, he's waiting and just saying, can you surrender? Can you trust? Can you soften your heart before me? Can you put the pride aside? And can you follow me? Can you follow me? As culture turns their back on Jesus, do you also want to go away? So the charge for this week, one, prayerfully ponder. Do you have any plan B's in your life? And can you accept full surrender to his sovereignty? So one, prayerfully ponder. Do you have any plan B's in your life? Can you surrender and accept his sovereignty? Two, do you know the facts or do you believe and live the facts? Do you know the facts or do you believe and live the facts? Take stock of your relationship with the Lord. Really go before him this week and take stock of your relationship with Jesus. Is it all just head knowledge and your heart's cut off pieces of what he has revealed in his word? Three, put yourself in various scenarios this week, different days, different times, and check yourself. Am I a Peter? Or is there a festering Judas within me? Am I a Peter? 
or is there a festering Judas within me? This is what the work is of allowing the Lord to refine us, that we can be who he calls us to be. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's having a reverent awe of this loving God who gave himself for us. And in that reverent awe, it's then being able to say, I look to eternity and I want to go forward because where else can I go? You have the words of eternal life. It's building the discipline to rise daily, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. I think of that hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me. Will you decide daily to follow Jesus? That's the question that it comes down to. Because to follow him, our time, his time. To follow him means it's going to be his way. It's going to be his timing. It means an obedience to whatever he lays or calls you to do. It means an obedience to this. All of this rightly divided. Not divided by someone telling you what it says, but the Holy Spirit actually teaching you and guiding you. And going through the scriptures and rightly looking and dividing. Lord, show me. Teach me. You say the Holy Spirit's a teacher. Teach me that I would know. That I can rise every day and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. You're getting a little Jesus freaky. Though none go with me, still I will follow. You're a hateful Christian. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. The world behind me. The world behind me. The cross before me. Amen. Can we sing the first verse of that before we bring up some folks and pray for them? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. To follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. My cross I'll carry Till I see Jesus, my cross I'll carry. Till I see Jesus, my cross I'll carry. Till I see Jesus, no turning back. No 
turning back the world behind me the cross before me the world behind me the cross before me the world behind me the cross before me no turning back no turning back sing that this week brothers and sisters and remind yourself daily um, speaking of following the Lord and being obedient, I want to bring up Pastor David, um, Ava, and Dan, because these three, the Lord's open. come on up here, trio, the Lord's opened the door to go to Tunisia and to minister at the pastor's conference, and you'll be leaving February 7th. Correct, mm-hmm. and when will and they're leaving the second. The second. So this is our um, last time all together. Come on over here, and before I pray, um, anything you want to just share about what you guys will be doing? Uh, well, we're we're going to uh, meet up with a gentleman that some of you have met before. Um, his name is Kareem. He goes by Kevin Spencer. He's an Egyptian, right, Dan? And uh, great brother in the Lord, he's uh, regional director for Middle East and Africa for ANM, Advancing Native Missions, and he has set up this conference, and Dan's been going back and forth with him on that. And so we're going to go there, we're going to give them a drink from a fire hose uh, with some Bible studies on foundations of the faith, on Christian life and ministry, and then on um, eschatology. And um, the need that we're seeing when we go to India or at this place is that the pastors have great enthusiasm. They love the Lord. They want to lead people to Christ. What they don't have is a lot of deep knowledge in the various nuances of the faith. And so that's something we're able to provide when we're there. Amen. And I think uh, as we look at the passage we're looking at today, my prayer is that the seeds planted bear the fruit of people who, like Peter, say, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I give you such thanksgiving, Heavenly Father, for this opportunity, Lord. And I thank you so much for Pastor David, for Ava, for Dan, Lord, and for their willingness to say, Father, if you want us to do this, we will. And just their their steadfast hearts praying and seeking your will on this and being surrendered, Lord. And And you making it clear to go and them going, Heavenly Father. Lord, we just pray for your travel mercies for them as they are going on the 2nd for Dan and Ava, Lord. And on the 7th for Pastor David, Lord, just giving sweet and protected mercy while they're traveling, Heavenly Father. And Lord, give them opportunity to point people to you along their journey as they are on the travels, Lord God. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you help everything with where they're staying and safety, Lord, and stomach resilience with the food, Heavenly Father, so that that all stays as it needs to, Heavenly Father. And Lord, I pray that you just fill them with your 
Holy Spirit as they are traveling, Lord, that they are in so tune with you walking in the Spirit to know who they need to speak to, who they need to minister to in between the different things that are taking place, Heavenly Father. And Lord, I pray for Pastor David. Fill him with your Holy Spirit each and every single moment he gets up to teach and to share what you have given him to give, Heavenly Father. Give him all of the words that are needed. Help with the translation, Lord God, and just be ever so much at the center, Lord, that at the end of this conference, it would be so clear that they have all seen the face of God, Lord, from being with you, Heavenly Father, and communing with you and growing, Lord. And we pray for these pastors, Lord. We pray that they go forth and share what they have learned, Lord. And I pray that they commune with you and have open hands. What would you have me do, Lord, with the people you've given me to care for, Heavenly Father? And I pray for the conversations that these three will be able to have at the conferences. I pray also, Lord, for Ava and the conversations she can pour into the different women also, Lord, that there would be opportunity for her to pray with women, to give the gospel to women, to share even devotional with the women, Lord, and just to to be able to pour into the women that will be present and helping and serving in every way, Lord God. And fill my brother also, Dan, Lord, these three, just let them be walking in your spirit amidst this journey, Heavenly Father, so yielded and surrendered, bearing the fruit that is needed for you, Lord, that at the end all would realize there's nowhere else to go, for you have the words of eternal life. You are Alpha and Omega. You are beginning and end, and it's all about you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. Thank you so much. Bless you. That's a sneeze right there. All right. I uh, just want to close us in prayer and we'll get out of here. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day, Lord. And Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you help each and every single one of us to do the work and humble ourselves enough to get before you, Lord. Heavenly Father, crush our pride, crush our ego, crush our self-righteousness, crush our me, 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 and make it about you, Lord God, that we would be a people surrendered to you, yielded to you, and serving you and loving you while doing it, Lord, knowing you have the words of eternal life. You are the Messiah. You are the living Son of God. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Have a beautiful afternoon, brothers and sisters.